In each episode of the Rebel Educator podcast, you'll hear discussions with world-class educators, students, and thought leaders in education as I extract the tactics, tools, and routines that you can use as teachers and parents. I'm Tanya Sheckley, founder of Up Academy and host of Rebel Educator. I invite you to join me for these conversations as I discover how to shift the classroom, the learning environment, the mindset, and the pedagogy to resist tradition, reignite wonder, and reimagine the future of education. Subscribe to Rebel Educator wherever you get your podcasts. On this episode, the guys are talking with Robert Avosa and his new position with LRP Publications. We've got an East Initiative update, witty banter as always, that and more here on EduTech Guys. EduTech Guys Radio, radio radio.edutechguys.com. The opinions expressed on the site this program for those of participants are not intended to and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of any specific educational entity, sponsor, company, state, or government agency. Hello and welcome to EduTech Guys Radio. I'm David Henderson. Hey, and I'm Jeff Madlock of the Witty Banter Club. <laughs> of the Winty, Winty, the Winty Banter. Did I say Winty? No, I did. <laughs> the Witty, Witty Banter. What? <laughs> your, your dues are are four pithy comments every time you come in. That's your dues to the, the Withy Banter Club. Oh, I'm paying my dues, my yeah. friend. I am paying my dues. <laughs> Listen, stay tuned. It gets better. <laughs> Please don't go anywhere. Please. <laughs> Listen, while you're deciding whether to continue listening to this podcast, don't forget to check us out on the web, www.edutechguys.com. Heck, you can find us pretty much anywhere. Just go out to the old Google any search engine of your choice. We're not actually pushing Google or ABC or any of those folks. Forget it. Anyway, go out to your favorite search engine, put in at EduTech guys, and I promise you're going to find us out there on the old interwebs. That's right. You know, go go hit up the Alta Vista on the Wayback Machine. <laughs> You'll find EduTech guys. Web crawler. <laughs> Boy, we're dating ourselves now. Oh yeah. I'm not dating you. I'm just dating myself. We, you. Well, there you go. No, uh, you know, it's funny, though, that you bring up a very good point. You know, we mentioned web crawler, Alta Vista. I don't know if anybody out there remembers, like, you know, Ask Jeeves. Oh, Ask Jeeves. Yeah, you you know, Ask, and then which ultimately became Ask.com. Oh, that's right. Uh, There was uh, Dogpile. I actually preferred Dogpile. Dogpile was actually one one. of my favorites. And and for those of you, as we wax nostalgic here, Dogpile actually went out and it searched search engines, mm-hmm. and so then it it brought back the top results. It was the Trivago of search engines. It was, it was. That's right. Yeah, I remember my favorite one was Jimmy searches the web for you. I'm just kidding. That wasn't <laughs> I'm Jimmy, and I'm going to search the web for search you. Search the web for you. They call that. Let me Google that for you now. <laughs> hey, listen. I know you're out there and you're getting ready to finally start up school. Um, here in Arkansas, we are just about to start. This is the week. Yeah. Usually, the teachers are back doing a lot of PD. Yep. Getting caught up on the new initiatives for their their, their schools and and mm-hmm. what's going to happen this year and getting ready for the the students to come back in and you know it's interesting how school starts up and then it's just like you open the floodgates and it's just football games and band you know marching contests and cheerleading and club meetings and parent meetings and it's just like what (laughs) help me and then it's christmas break then it's yeah (laughs) and it's christmas break but yeah (laughs) so listen on today's show i've got some we've got some really great stuff 
you know, we were talking about just the other day um, all the the way schools have changed and you know the kind of the services that we provide and the way that um, PD has changed yeah. and the way that conferences have changed. And uh, one of the conferences that we really like is FETC. Um, in fact, yeah. this year we will Dave and I are doing some sessions there, so we're kind of excited about that. But they have uh, lots of avenues, all the way from SPED, all the way from special education, mm-hmm. through for administrators, for teachers, and for the IT track. So yeah. the and and everyone's moving in that direction, and they realize that we we offer so much, and there's so much availability out there. So uh, today we have a, we have a guest on the show. Uh, we're pretty excited about it, and we'll we'll let him introduce himself later on in the show. Yeah, it'll be cool, man. But yeah, stay tuned, and we got a great East initiative. I uh, want to thank the folks up at East uh, and uh, Matt Dozier and Jerry Prince and all those guys for and, and, and ladies for uh, doing some great stuff for us and keeping us informed of what East is doing. If you don't know about East, just go out to Google and look up East Initiative. you find out some really cool stuff that you could possibly get involved with and bring to your school. Yeah, absolutely. As a matter of fact, we're going to take a quick break and when we come back, we're going to jump into that interview with uh, Robert Avosa and then we will have the East Initiative update that's up next. Thanks for listening to EduTech Guys. Reach out to us on Twitter at EduTechGuys. Head over to Facebook, facebook.com slash EduTechGuys, or cruise on over to the website, www.edutechguys.com. Hey, welcome back to the EduTech Guys. It's a wonderful show today, and we have a very special guest. We're going to let him tell us who he is and where he's from and all that kind of good stuff. So uh, here we go. Awesome. Hey guys, I'm Robert Avosa, a former school superintendent in both Palm Beach County, Florida and the Atlanta metro area of Fulton County. And now I serve as senior vice president here at LRP in South Florida. That's awesome, really awesome. Man. Well, that's that's two good sized school districts that you've uh, you've been a part of. Yeah. And, uh, moved yeah, into definitely. LRP. Yeah. About 25 years in public ed, the last seven as superintendent. I enjoyed every minute of it. That's awesome. That's really awesome. So what drew you to LRP or did they come looking for you? Well, actually, it, it's it's that. Uh, the owner um, who was a local uh, person involved in school and education uh, had been talking with me about the possibility of coming over. And, you know, it's been a, a win-win. I started here in March. I'm able to really help um, the company here sort of figure out, um, you know, the issues that we have in public schools and then try to create solutions that bring value to the people that we work with. And really, that's what it's all about. It's about helping kids and teachers uh, reach their, their full potential. Well, I can see that. Uh, you came from uh, two very prominent uh, school districts and change in districts that size happens quite often, <laughs> has to happen quite often. Yeah. Well, I mean, part of that really is for me, I've always been a reform minded person Uh, in Fulton. We were able to really shake things up and provide a lot more flexibility and autonomy at the school level. Mm -hmm. And my approach in Palm Beach was a little different just based on uh, the state policies and and school board, et cetera. So it's been a lot of fun. We've used a lot of technology in reforming our school systems and helping kids, you know, um, drive to the best of their ability, improvements in outcomes. So I want to I want to hear a little bit about that, um, and you can pick either district or both if you want to give an example from both. What did what were some of the the obstacles um, or, or challenges maybe that you were facing uh, that 
either you felt needed changed or maybe that was an internal struggle that was happening and, and, and right. your teachers were kind of maybe demanding change or whatever it was that kind of acted as the, um, the catalyst for that. And then how did you go about, lack of a better word, how did you go about, well, managing that change? Yeah. So what I heard in Fulton County, Georgia, was that the schools were all dramatically different in terms of the problems they were trying to solve. And central office was essentially trying to run the schools all in the same way, hmm. rather than allowing customization to occur, giving the local schools more authority to make decisions, rather than micromanaging from the central office. Hmm. Essentially, you know, in the past, the district had said, here's how you're going to teach a 90-minute reading block, here's what math looks like, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And some of the schools were like, look, that's not a problem for us. Our kids are coming to schools prepared. We actually need to think about acceleration. So we really just broke up the um, structure, if you will, in that system and allowed the local schools and parents to decide how money was being used, um, the schedules, a lot. We had to delineate what they could, um, what we held tight and what we let loose mm -hmm. so that we can essentially let them run a lot more autonomously. Mm -hmm. And they loved it because they were all trying to solve different problems. So, okay, so they loved it. What about the the central folks? Office? Yeah, the folks who were kind of who've been at <laughs> yeah, the central so office forever. What are the, yeah. Yeah. They had pitchforks there. The chief financial officer, of course, was uh, not happy about the um, the decision to allow local schools to figure out how to spend their money. Mm -hmm. um, lots of more work for central office. Other people, you know, had gotten used to saying, this is the way we're going to do it. And that was hard. Mm -hmm. But my response back to them was, look, we're here to support what happens in schools, not the other way around. Yeah. And we have to figure out a way to get to yes. And how do we get to yes? Solving both of those issues. Yeah. So in managing that change, did you have to tear it all the way down back to the ground to rebuild it and just redesign the whole thing? Or were you able to just modify well, we actually wound up going with a cohort approach. So to make the math easy, let's say there's 100 schools. We decided to do it in groups of 25. Mm. And the people who were my pioneers, for example, who raised their hand first, who I felt had the capacity to do it, um, we let them go first. Mm -hmm. And the number one thing I told them was you have to be okay with ambiguity because we're building it out year one. Mm -hmm. Then year two, we, we learned lessons. Year, the second cohort went much better. By the time we got to the third cohort, it was running full steam ahead. And now they're way past that. Um, they're into their sixth or seventh, no, seventh year now running in that model. And the SAT scores have continued to rise. High school graduation rates at an all-time high. And spending has been managed very well. So those are all good things. Yeah. So when you guys did this, what was the key theme running through this? Was it initiatives first and then devices? You know, was it, what, what was kind of the, how did you do that? We started number one with this idea, what problem are we trying to solve? Mm. And then we began looking at tools and methods to do that. We piloted a lot of different ideas and concepts. Some of them were as simple as changing the schedule at a school. Uh, some of them were more complex, including you know, one-to-one -one devices and programs that we wanted customized um, in our own way with our own fingerprints. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's how we started. But to back it up even further, we had an analysis conducted using a framework out of the University of South Florida mm -hmm. to look at preparedness. 
Uh, we did not lead with a device. We led with this concept of preparedness and helping them create their own local strategic plan. We got to how to solve it at the very end. Hmm. Uh, it was not how we, we led. Yeah. Was, yeah. Do you think the goal was the goal primarily to get to the point of student agency so that they are actually defining their own learning at the, by the time you're all finished? It's almost the exact same concept I just spoke of with adults, uh-huh. where if the adults come up with the solution uh, and the strategy, they're more, more likely to own it and to work it through. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with the kids. When the students say, hey, look, this, this is fun, this is exciting, this is something we've created, they're more likely to own that learning, and to your point, the agency continues um, on. That's really cool. So in in rolling out, so let's get to the rolling out of one-to-one devices. I think that's where the majority of the country, uh, every public education is now small to large, is at that point of we can now afford devices. <laughs> They're not thousands of dollars a piece anymore. Um, how was that handled? Did you guys do it in one fail swoop, or do you do you recommend one fail swoop, or let's tear this process in? Let's let's build it to that to that point. So another thing that my 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 community demanded was that they wanted different options. So we didn't pick one device. We we allowed them to pick from a small menu of devices, um, and the systems we built were uh, device agnostic, so that they could support a variety of different. Um, you know, tools. Um, And then again, going with the same model of preparedness, we rolled these out in phases and we tested, okay, um, should we get insurance or not? Um, In an area that we know um, there are a lot of at-risk communities, um, is there a concern of theft or are there concerns of students maybe being robbed on the way home? I mean, these are things my community came up with. Sure. Now, I will tell you the beautiful part of this is that most of the kids in Title I schools, they had one of the lowest breakage rates. Um, and more affluent su- suburban schools had a higher percentage. And what we realized was that, you know, for a lot of kids, that was like their personal device mm-hmm. and they took really good care of it, as opposed to a kid who says, well, I already have a computer at home. I'm not as worried about it. So it was right. kind of interesting to watch that dynamic play out in the district. Yeah, yeah. well, and that's – and and. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if psychologically is the right word, but but socially and or psychologically, it it just it feels like it should have been the opposite, just because of the stigmas and stereotypes that you put on each of those groups of students. And it's very interesting that it ended up being kind of the opposite of what right. you might now, quote unquote expect. It, advice that I'd give folks is do participate with your local pawn shops and let them know (laughs) that these are devices that are being issued that are stamped with the school district's uh, logo and name Mm -hmm. on them so that if they are brought in, they know that that's what's happening. Because I I had read about that um, seven or eight years ago where these pawn shops were collecting all these things from folks that, you know, walked away. That's yes, exactly. Inundated with iPads suddenly. Why do we yeah. have to the iPads here? All of a sudden, every kid is hawking the iPads. What, what's up with this? So, um, so let's talk about now your transition to working with LRP and yeah. what you have brought with you in your uh, years of your decades of education experience and what that means to what you're doing with LRP and helping them achieve some of their goals. So it's it's an interesting mix. We've got on the second floor here a room filled with 
lawyers uh, who write for special education, my background special ed, I'm able to help them continue their, down their path of creating high quality uh, products that solve problems in the schoolhouse, whether they're legal or compliance related. On the FETC side, we have we run one of the largest um, you know technology uh, conferences in the country, mm-hmm. and we're building out administrative tracks that are really, um, in my opinion, going to drive the improvement and the quality of the experience at FETC because the principals, the directors, the CIOs, the superintendents make decisions when teachers come back and say, hey, I'm super excited about this idea that I found. Um, Can I get you to support it? And the reality is if they understand it better, they're more likely to to get to yes and support the initiative. Yeah. Well, and I think it's Speaking, speaking uh, in terms of FETC specifically, um, I, I used to go to FETC back when it was the Florida Education <laughs> Conference. So you know, I, I've been going for a long time. Um, it's been it's been an interesting evolution to see much more inclusion uh, of the administrators track, the IT track. You know, for many many years, it was mainly aimed at you know the educators who came. And then they would run back to the district and they'd have to work with the administrators or against the administrators. And they'd have to work with the tech people or against the tech people to try to implement some of the things that they learned at FETC. And now FETC offers tracks specifically for those people so that one of the things that we run into, uh, we've actually provided live conference coverage for FETC for the last two years. And what we have found is you have administrators bringing their educators, bringing their IT staff to FETC, and they're all getting not necessarily the same message, but at least um, they're ex- they, they're sharing an experience that then they can all debrief and talk about. Yeah, in fact, we we encourage folks to come in teams, uh, whether it's a, a team of teachers or a team of teachers and like you said, an area superintendent, a superintendent, a CIO, so that we don't go down too far of a track and then realize, my gosh, some of the things that we're trying to do here aren't going to really fit back home. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's an exciting component. And uh, that's that's been something I'm really interested in. We've got a, an exciting lineup coming up in January again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've also been working with um, a newly acquired magazine that we have called District Administration. Oh, yeah. uh, and that is that also has a CIO component in it, and it's free. Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah I, actually, I, I actually get that magazine. I was just going to say the same thing. Yeah, <laughs> we, we both get District Administration, so, so uh, yeah. wonderful awesome. magazine. That's now uh, part of the LRP family, so that's awesome. It is part of the LRP family. We continue – to look at ways to to help our um, customers solve problems. And and that's really what I hope to bring, um, again, 25 years in public ed, the last 15 or so in large urban, suburban districts, including Charlotte, North Carolina. Yeah. Oh, wow. So this year at FETC, you are uh, have a completely different role because you're now on the team. Um, are, are you yeah. leading any of the uh, workshops or sessions or panels or What's your role this year at FATC? Well, actually, it's funny you say that. I used to go as a teacher 20-plus years ago to the same conference. I've watched it evolve over time. Um, I had a presentation last year that I did, Mm -hmm. and uh, we're working on a few panels that I'll be part of as well on helping superintendents pick CIOs Mm. uh, and what to look for. So that's another big part. And I'll continue to work um, on on shaping the the workshops and, and what we're really trying to get out. Uh, to keep our folks ahead of the game. Yeah, that's really awesome. So if our listeners wanted to get more information, um, 
Uh, what would be the best way to get in touch with you or with LRP? Well, if you want to learn about LRP, you certainly go to our website. Um, but FETC is primarily a place where the you can go on our website there, take a look at some of the things that we're putting together. We've also announced that uh, the gentleman who started Khan Academy will be our keynote speaker. Yes, yes. Uh, and he has done a fantastic job helping. In fact, here in Palm Beach County, every single one of our 65 or 70,000 high school students um, gets a, a, a link to their PSAT scores so that they can customize their experience. And it's free. Wow. Um, so it's another great tool that's out there. And that's why technology is so important. It allows us to customize, be flexible, and a lot of these great resources that are available free. Yeah, that's really awesome. That's awesome. Uh, folks, you can follow uh, Mr. Avosa on Twitter at uh, Robert, I think, underscore Avosa. Is that correct? That's right. Robert underscore Avosa. Uh, and I'm an avid. I'm also on LinkedIn if folks want to learn a little bit more about what we're doing. Awesome. Uh, Mr. Vosa, thank you for coming on the show. Um, it's been a blast having you. And uh, we'll, we'll have you on the show probably, maybe if you have time at FETC. We'll be there in the hallway, oh. as we always are, bringing in the folks. And uh, it'll be great to hear uh, what happens with you after that. So your take yeah. on what FETC was like in a whole different role this year. I'm excited about it. I look forward to continuing our conversation. Awesome. Awesome. Thank Once you. again, thank you. Hi there, I'm Jerry Prince with EAST, with this week's EAST Update. This week's EAST Update takes us a little behind the scenes to look at what is possible when students are introduced to experience-based education. We recently visited with a veteran EAST student, Kelly, a junior at Maumelle High School, heading into her sixth year of EAST. Her team partnered with the Syrian Emergency Task Force, set on making a difference in the lives of Syrian refugees. Their efforts have ranged from raising money to help towards financial needs to communication with refugees as an effort, in Keeley's words, to bring a glimmer of hope to the children caught up in the crisis. What struck us the most in our recent visit with Keeley was the impact these experiences have made in her life as she shares how her perspective of the world changed. I like the inspiration that you get from East. You get to meet people from all different walks of life, from anywhere from a Syrian immigrant to the CEO of a huge company. And then you get to see the world as it really is, not just through the confines of a textbook or through the window of a school. It really broadens your mindscape and really opens you to the world as it is to an adult, not just a child. Kelly shares having a greater appreciation for learning that comes through working on real world problems. It really combats, East has really taught us to combat the binary thinking that we've been taught throughout our schooling. There isn't just one answer to every problem. There are multiple answers and there are maybe no answers. There are different ways to approach a problem, all of which you've learned in East. I can use this software to do it in this way or I can do use this software to do it in this way. And it appeals not just, not just to my client but it appeals to me and everything might not appeal to both of us and it really opens the door to more than one ideology. From a student perspective working on real-world problems comes with its challenges. It is both the most fun and the worst thing I've ever done because it is so hard but it is so life-changing. It 
It expands your horizons in a way you'll never learn in a class and you never will learn in college. It makes you experience the world and it brings a sort of community that I've always looked for. You find friends that you never would have met before and you find out that the friends that you have aren't the people that you thought they were. It it really, it changes your world in a way you might not want it to change, but you really need it to change. We hope you are as inspired by her comments as we. And if you have opportunity, please accept the invitation to facilitate experiences to someone you know. The investment is well worth considering. Special thanks to Kelly from Maumelle High School for sharing some of her educational experiences. If you're interested in knowing more about EAST, please visit eastinitiative.org or just search for EAST Initiative on social media. Our student composer this week is Brayden from Tri-County Technical Center in Bartlesville, Oklahoma with Aventaw. With the East Update, I'm Jerry Prince. Thanks for listening. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jerry. And it is so cool to hear some music from Oklahoma students. You know, one of the things that we don't generally get to talk about or we don't stress enough is that even though the East Initiative program started in Arkansas, it's actually in multiple states all around the country. Yep, and spreading. Yeah, so very cool to have music from a student from Oklahoma. That's awesome. Hey, we want to thank Robert Avosa for coming on the show and uh, telling us about his new role with yeah. uh, LRP. I look forward to seeing him at FETC this year and uh, see what uh, what it holds for him, what it's going to be like in a different role and you know, where he's going to take uh, FETC and LRP. Yeah, exactly. Hey, and if you want some more information about FETC, be sure to hit up FETC.org. And uh, you want to check that out. There's plenty of time. It's not till January. So you have plenty of time, at least at the time of this recording, to um, check it out, put in whatever the paperwork is, jump through whatever the hoops you got to jump through, take care of the business, maybe get a grant or something to help you go. It is definitely one of the best conferences out yeah, there. Yeah, you can't beat Florida in January. I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> at least it'll be nice. That's right. Um, listen, don't forget to check us out on the web at www.edutecheyes.com. Lots of stuff happening for us, so you'll see it on the web. And don't forget us on social media. Just look up at edutechguys. Cool. Hey, I'm Jeff Madlock. I'm David Henderson. We'll catch you next time. You've been listening to Edutech Guys Radio, radio radio.edutechguys.com. The opinions expressed on this site and this program for those who participants are not intended to and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of any specific educational entity, sponsor, company, state, or government agency. This is Ross Romano from The Authority here on the Bee Podcast Network. It's the show where I interview people who know what they're talking about, and no matter your role, we have some recent episodes you won't want to miss. I spoke with Mark Miller, international best-selling author and VP of high-performance leadership at Chick-fil-A, about his brand new book, Culture Rules. Kate Everly Walker, CEO of Presence and author of The Good Boss, joined the show, and we've had conversations with Baruti Caffele, Peter DeWitt, Julie Evans, and many more. Join us each week for ideas to address your current pain points, new perspectives from authors you admire, and fresh takes from up-and-coming voices. Subscribe to The Authority Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.